0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Adoran Talks Sports, the only podcast, probably, that talks about every single team in the sport being discussed, or I should say in the league being discussed. Welcome back. We are here, we are live, and we are active after an exciting week in the NFL. Week 11 is now wrapped up and in the books, and Week 12 is literally, as I am recording this, hours away, uh, thanks to the Thanksgiving games Uh, First off, if you celebrate Thanksgiving or uh, recognize Thanksgiving, I guess, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. If you don't, uh, early episode or early football, whichever one works for you. Either way, uh, very exciting to go over week 11 because as has been the trend for the past couple of weeks, I think it is safe to say you can lock in at least one huge upset per week. Um, We'll get into that as we continue on in this endeavor reviewing week 11 uh, first off, of course, if you have not already, be sure to follow slash subscribe or whatever the terminology is on your podcasting app to the show. You can get a bunch of episodes about the NFL. Uh, we're trying to stick to this once a week schedule that we've been doing so far, but pretty good so far. Uh, and looking forward to doing this as well. Uh, as always, also, if you'd like, uh, we would really appreciate it here on this one man crew uh, of reviewing the show on your podcasting platform as well. Uh, Reviews help to bring more information and knowledge and experience to me uh, so I know what you want to hear and what you want to talk about and how I'm doing so far. Uh, Five-star reviews are ideal, of course, but if you want to leave something else, uh, I am not uh, completely opposed to it. Uh, Although, if you do have critiques or comments, uh, tweeting at me at Region—that that is at A-H-D-U-R-I-N-Region on Twitter, uh, will likely be the best place to get immediate updates and uh, feedback to be... You know, gotten quickly. Uh, as we move closer and closer to the end of the football season, unfortunate, I know, but it is something that we have to think about. I'm thinking of maybe having episodes on basketball. Uh, I am watching quite a bit of NBA compared to recent years, so at least enough that I could vaguely talk about all of the other teams, and with a bit more effort, plus football kind of waning away, uh, that could be something that we approach as we get closer and closer to the end of the NFL season. But before we do, we are here at the end of week 11, and so we shall begin with a review of Thursday Night Football. Now, Thursday Night Football, as a reminder, was just a little over a week ago. A little under a week ago, actually, I don't know why I said over. Um, And yet feels like so many months ago, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, But, Thursday Night Football was. The New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons going head-to-head. The Patriots shutting out the Falcons 25-0, thanks to Nick Folk having a phenomenal season so far, I think just generally, but he contributed, contributes to his total, uh, adding an additional four field goals, I believe, um, to his already stout total. I feel like there's been a bunch of games this season where he's had like four field goals. I'm looking at his stats right now. He's had four games this year already with four field goals in each of those games, going 100% for them. His stats this year have been very good, honestly. Um, as the kicker for the New England Patriots, uh, he is 26 of 28 for 93% right now. Um, doing great. Yeah, that's, that's what I got to say. Anyway, that's very unrelated, of course, to the actual results of the game. Although Nick Folk did contribute significantly. This game was a complete domination of the Falcons. No if ands, or buts about it. I mean, all three that's right I said three all three of the Falcons quarterbacks struggled uh Matt Ryan 19 of 28 for 153 yards and two interceptions uh eventually when this game was kind of out of hand Josh Rosen came in one for three one of those passes being an interception and then Felipe Franks comes in the third string quarterback he throws one pass attempt and that gets intercepted so not ideal compare that of course to the Patriots where Mac Jones went 22 of 26 for 207 a touchdown and an interception himself uh This game kind of, it just started off being New England's and then the defense kind of took it from there, as emphasized, of course, by the shutout. Neither team did particularly um, fantastic. Like, it wasn't an explosion of offense, is what I mean to say. Defensively, of course, a very different example. But uh, like New England, for example, they ran the ball, despite having this control in the game, they only ran the ball 30 times for 134 yards, which is still very good. Um, Led, of course, by Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. Uh, but compare that to Atlanta 16-40, and it might as well be like a 1950s football match of just pure running. Um, this game kind of, I guess, has reintroduced the Patriots in the national limelight. The Patriots right now are 7-4, and four, and with things going their way this upcoming week, could leave this week with... Uh, not only an 8-4 record, but the number one seed in the AFC, which is not what you would have expected had you come into the season. Uh, I think I f- was feeling somewhat bold in my prediction of saying that they were going to be a wild card team before the season uh, officially began, you know, after week one, basically. But um, I-, I was feeling somewhat bold being like, oh yeah, they might be a sneaky wild card team, may have an upset, but uh, the number one seed in the AFC and one of the top teams in the NFL, don't think I was expecting that. But Mac Jones and this entire defense has been playing pretty well. And uh, to anyone that's suggesting, you know, oh, maybe the Patriots can't go all the way. All I'm saying is, you know, this is a situation where Bill Belichick, a uh, tenured coach who has some experience, has taken a very, very young quarterback, a defensive team, a rushing team, a physical team, and trying to beat things while having the quarterback game manage everything. If this sounds like the first Super Bowl, you would not be too wild to suggest anything of the sort. Um, that is where the Patriots are. The Falcons, meanwhile, uh, dropped to 4-6. and six. Again, this is sort of a weird... In a weird way, this is a rebuilding team, despite the fact that Matt Ryan is the quarterback, um, and sort of just kind of resigned to that fact at this point, especially with how the rest of the NFC South is going. Um, they do, of course, especially with how the NFC has played out overall, have an outside shot at making a wild card spot, But uh, I think with this loss to kind of more or less sealed it, especially with the way that other teams in that fight have uh, bounced upwards, so to speak. Um, It'll be interesting to see how this approaches next time. I think this what this confirmed to me regarding the Falcons is that Cordero Patterson really is a useful player for this Falcons team. I don't think anyone expected coming into the season that Cordero Patterson was going to play as big of a role as he did. And yet, despite that, uh, the Falcons surely missed him as he was out for this game with an injury. I think it was an injury, at least. Maybe it was COVID really protocols. I'm not 100% sure uh, why he was out, but he was out. Um, and that uh, that could that definitely didn't hurt the Patriots' shots. Um, but the Patriots move on with this victory, now fighting with the Bills for the top seed, uh, not only in the AFC, but also the division, whichever one matters more. Um, you decide, I guess. We go from a massive blowout slash shutout to a game that was increasingly more competitive as time went on, the Bears and the Ravens going head-to-head at Soldier Field. Uh, The Chicago Bears versus the Baltimore Ravens ended in a 16-13 win for the Ravens, which sounds like the Bears did a good job and the Ravens did a bad job, until you recognize the circumstances of this, where Lamar Jackson mere hours before the game began, uh, eventually pulled out due to illness. And so Tyler Huntley, I believe his name is, I just want to make sure I have his first name right. Yep, Tyler Huntley, uh, came into the game in uh, in lieu of Lamar Jackson and played pretty well. I thought overall, 26 of 36 for 219 yards and an interception. He was sacked six times, not ideal, um, but overall did pretty well. The way that Tyler Huntley plays as well is sort of like Lamar Jackson. Uh, in the sense that he is a very active running quarterback, as opposed to you know your Tom Brady's type of style of like sit in the pocket and dissect the defense. So that uh, didn't disrupt the plans too much. Now the Ravens did not run the way that you would expect them to. They ran the ball 34 times for 123 yards, but overall was able to do enough to win the game. And I do say enough to win the game because Chicago, on the other hand, despite a relatively pedestrian running attack of 20 attempts for 92 yards, did have Uh, Justin Fields start off the game 4 for 11 for 79 yards, but get injured, and in replace, Andy Dalton comes in 11 of 23 for 201 and two touchdowns. He played really well, uh, I think, for all things considered, despite the low uh, accuracy number. Um, As soon as he came into the game, I think it was the second play he was in the game, uh, a screen pass to Darnell Mooney, 60 yards down the house uh, for the touchdown to give the Bears a lead, and honestly, that's kind of when this game became somewhat interesting, because... Uh, that's, that score was with 8:02 left in the third quarter, and it really took until the fourth quarter for this game to actually become like the score that it was. Uh, and the fact that this is a low-scoring game in the first place should sort of suggest how this game was played. It was very defensive-oriented. Um, the, the cool thing, uh, this remind me of. I think it was it might have been like half a decade ago or something like that, where the Vikings and Ravens were playing against each other, and at one point in the near the end of the game, there were back-to-back-to-back touchdowns. Uh, I think it was, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think it was, like, uh, the the Ravens, I think, probably went down the field, scored a touchdown, uh, Cordell Patterson on the Vikings returns a kick for a touchdown, and then, I'm going to say Jacoby Jones, even though I don't think that, who, that was who it was, uh, returned the following kick for a touchdown, or something just wild like that, and the score just blew up out of nowhere. Um, Sort of what happened here. Justin Tucker kicks a 46-yard field goal with 3.41 remaining. Two minutes on the nose later, Andy Dalton, Marquise Goodwin, 49-yard pass uh, that eventually led to their lead. Everyone's thinking, oh, snap, Andy Dalton is back, and he has destroyed the Ravens' hopes yet again, similar to how he did against uh, the Ravens back when it was 2017, I think it was, when the Bills made the playoffs for the first time in in two decades. Um, But the Ravens get the last laugh. Lead a one minute 20 yard, uh, one minute 20 second drive down the field, capped off with a Devontae Freeman three yard touchdown rush. uh, And the Chicago Bears could not do anything with 22 seconds remaining. Um, What this leaves us with, the Ravens are able to sneak out a win, uh, which is very good for them in a highly competitive AFC North and AFC overall. Uh, Good that they were able to get this win uh, over the Bears, especially with Lamar Jackson now. For the Bears' sake, they dropped to three and seven, and I believe. Uh, the, I'm going to say the 14th seed in the NFC, well out of the playoff picture, this is looking really rough for Matt Nagy uh, continuing as head coach. There have been rumors suggesting that he is going to be fired after the Thanksgiving game, which kind of doesn't make sense because if you were going to fire him, you would fire him now, not wait. So I, I think, and on top of that, the Bears don't have a history of firing coaches midway through the season. I think at the very least, he's going to ride this out, and they're going to see what happens. Um, because the most important player on the Bears right now is Justin Fields, making sure that he has progression. And uh, my philosophy has always been consistency has helped build quarterbacks' both confidence and uh, skill set and ability overall. Uh, and without that consistency, then quarterbacks tend to struggle. Whether it's offensive coordinators or head coaches that cons- consistently get uh, tossed out and replaced, or if it's the offensive system or something like that, uh, consistency at the end of the day is what helps build quarterbacks to the way that they are. And if Justin Fields doesn't have that consistency, then it's going to be tough to see how he survives in Chicago. Might need another team or something like that. I know that I'm speaking way too early. I don't think that's going to be the case. At the very least, um, if slash when Justin Fields comes back um, during the season, which I think he is not expected to play... uh, in the upcoming matchup for the Bears um, against the Lions. I believe Andy Dalton is starting um, in this game. So, let me make sure that's the case. Uh, I'm going to look this up real quick. Justin Fields, uh, is he going to start the way... Yeah, Andy Dalton is expected to start. So if Andy Dalton is starting this game against the Lions, um, and when Fields comes back, presumably in another week or two, uh, this the rest of the season is just focused on him. Just can Justin Fields grow into the quarterback that the Bears were hoping that he can be? And uh, firing Maggie, I don't think, helps that cause, um, even if his time on the Bears might be coming to an end. So that is what I think about the Ravens-Bears match. The next matchup, this is not the upset that I was mentioning previously. That'll come a little bit later, but uh, this matchup was an upset nevertheless as the Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers 34-31 with a last-second field goal to win the game uh, by Greg Joseph's a 29-yard field goal for Minnesota. This was a good game. First off, this was a really good game by Minnesota. I think they played very well. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I think, is extremely underrated. He went 24, 35, 341 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, really good game for him. Dalvin Cook ran the ball 22 times for 86 yards and a touchdown as well. One of the few running backs, I think, in the league that you could sort of depend on, oh, he's going to get 20 carries because a lot of teams do the um, running back by committee thing. Uh, and while I think that's better for running backs overall, it certainly doesn't help stats-wise. So Dalvin Cook is very good with that. Uh The Vikings just played, I think, a football game in where they were able to respond to whatever Green Bay did. I think that's how this game basically turned out. Like, Crosby kicks a field goal, Greg Joseph kicks a field goal. Dalvin Cook scores a touchdown, Adam Thielen scores a touchdown uh, early in the first quarter and then going into the second quarter. It sort of took control of the game. While the Packers, uh, I guess, did a sort of comeback in a way, I guess that's the best way to describe it, with the two Devontae Adams touchdown passes, in the late third and early fourth, mid fourth quarter, um, it's, it didn't really feel when I was watching the game that Minnesota lost control. They were always able to rebound in a way, uh, which eventually led, of course, to the final rebound where Minnesota kicks the game-winning field goal. Rogers' stats: twenty-three of thirty-three for three hundred eighty-five yards, four touchdowns. Um, statistically speaking, I thought he played very well. Uh, while watching the game, I felt like there were, he was still he was still playing great don't get me wrong, I think there's still part of the missed time that he had due to COVID and the, the toe injury that he's been having that led to a few of those incompletions. Not enough to really make this a big problem, but the fact that uh, um, Aaron Jones is out kind of messed things up. Aaron Jones does bring a thing, an aspect to this Green Bay team that I don't think is quite remembered. I guess everyone knows that Aaron Jones is a good running back. Um, one of the top, I would say top 10, for sure, top 10 for sure, top five probably, uh, running backs in the games right now. Um, but when he's not there, A.J. Dillon was the one that uh, carried the load for the most part, 11 carries for 53 yards. They didn't really try to run the ball that much, only 19 times for 95 yards. Uh, very efficient uh, compared to Minnesota, who ran the ball 29 times for 90 yards, although a couple of those were um, Kirkhouse and Neil Downs. So I think, yeah, I think the way that this game was played, it turned into sort of like a whoever gets the ball last was going to win the game type of situation. And uh, it was weird when watching the game. Uh, I try not to spoil the events of the games. When I watch them, I want to watch them as if I'm watching like a uh, like a fan, I guess, or at least somebody that doesn't know the end result. So while watching the game, when Aaron Rodgers throws a deep pass to Marquez Valdez-Scanling for the 75-yard touchdown pass, the first thing that came into my head was, oh, there's two minutes left for Kirk Cousins, and all they need is a field goal. I think they've got this. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, so that's basically the results there. Green Bay drops to 8-3, and three, and now um, they would have to run out the season, basically, in order to have the same sort of record they've had in the past, because I think in the past two seasons they've had 13-3 and three records. Um, Green Bay still, of course, has a pretty much a lock on the two seed, I would say. I don't see... I don't. I I have to look at the schedules that they have versus. I guess Tampa Bay would be, the, um, Tampa or the Cowboys. I guess Tampa Bay would be the more likely, uh, third slash two seeds. But I feel like uh, with the Cardinals and the way that they've got a game up, even if everything goes worst case scenario for the Cardinals, they'll still have the one seat at the end of this week. Um, with that advantage, I think Green Bay has a pretty much good lock on the division in spite of all the chaos because the Vikings are the next best team um, as for the Vikings this does a great job of boosting their wild card chances um, with a lot of teams in the NFC fighting for that seven and six seed uh, the Vikings do a good job of sticking with that uh, this was an upset not as big as the one we'll talk about in the future but nevertheless the Vikings do a good job of winning 34-31 over the Green Bay Packers this one wasn't an upset. This was just a complete domination as the Indianapolis Colts beat the Buffalo Bills 41-15 to thanks to Jonathan Taylor's not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdowns in the game. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, turns out, very good running back. Who would have thunk it? Um, I think this is, the, this is the first five-touchdown game either by a running back or period um, since Alvin Kamara's five-touchdown game last season, I think it was. Um, and there are only four people, I think. Again, I can't remember if this is running backs so or just period. But four players in NFL history that have five touchdown rush, uh, touchdowns accounted for them. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had four rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown that led to the evisceration by the Colts. Um, statistically speaking for Carson Wentz, 11 of 20 for 106 in the touchdown. Statistically, not a good game. But he kind of didn't have to do a lot because Jonathan Taylor was there. 32 rushes for 185 yards, four touchdowns. He also had three catches for 19 yards and a touchdown. Basically, if you had Jonathan Taylor in fantasy, you won this week unless you weren't really playing. Like if you, you know, one of those players that just leaves their team and ignores bye weeks and stuff like that. Um, Even then, you might have still won. So Jonathan Taylor just racking up the stats there. Compared to what the Bills did, uh, Josh Allen 21 of 35 for 209, two touchdowns and two interceptions, which is something that has sort of popped up recently for Allen. Just turnovers as a whole. Um, he did also have a fumble, although that was not lost. Uh, eventually, when the game got out of hand, Trubisky came into the game three for five, 19 yards and a interception for him. The rushing game for the Bills not really great. Nobody really ran the ball a ton. Because this game quickly got out of hand, the Bills ended with only 13 rushing attempts for 91 yards, compared to Indianapolis's 46 for 264 yards, of course, the vast majority of them being Jonathan Taylors. Um, despite the way that the games were played, I think this this was weird, because Buffalo for the majority of the season has been the presumed AFC East favorites, but com- combining a struggling – they're in a slump, I guess is the best way to describe right now, the past couple of weeks, even with – the uh, domination, I think it was last week, uh, by the Bills. Let me make sure I was right there. Um, yeah, they just they, they beat the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look at this. Yeah, they beat them 45-17 um, and then lose this game 41-15. So they kind of got on the receiving end of that. Um, despite the domination they had last week, it still feels like the Bills are trying to figure out what's up, right? Because the Colts, uh, on paper... Or, or before the season, I guess, uh, the Colts beating the Bills would have been a major upset. Uh, I think the way that the Colts have been playing right now, especially with this heavy reliance on Jonathan Taylor and this rush game, not too surprising. The Colts go to 6-5 and five now as the Bills drop to 6-4. and four. Um, And The Colts now, combined with a couple of other events, have an outside shot at the division, um, but have wild card hopes in their eyesight. Of course, the AFC has been very top-heavy this season, so uh, something to look into as well. I think the Bills are sort of figuring out what's up while the Colts are f- have found out what's up and basically trying to ride that as far as they can go. Um, yeah. Next game on the list, a game that was uh maybe surprisingly competitive to some people out there. The Cleveland Browns take on the Detroit Lions and the Browns sneak away with the victory 13-10 to over the Detroit Lions, who dropped to 0-9-1 while the Browns go to 6-5. and On the Brown side of things, uh, Baker Mayfield struggled in this game. 15-29 for 176. One touchdown, two interceptions. Also took a sack. Didn't really run the ball a lot. Nick Chubb was the bright spot for the Browns. 22 for 130, uh, though no touchdowns for him. Uh, Jarvis Landry, though, had a very nice uh, rushing touchdown. His only attempt at rushing. It was sort of, um, I guess, Philly special-esque of like, Hand off to the wide receiver who passes it. Jarvis Landry does pass the ball occasionally, um, but instead of passing the ball, he sort of noticed that the lane was open, or that Baker was covered, or whoever his target was, and so decided to run for it, and was able to score the touchdown there. Very nice play. Um, but outside of that, not really a lot happening for the Browns, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't ideal. Uh, the They kind of just got the 13 points relatively early uh, with the touchdown and the um, touchdown sorry the touchdown run by Jarvis Landry and the touchdown pass from Baker to Chubb late in the second quarter and that just kind of stood on that while the Lions made what you could consider a comeback I guess DeAndre Swift had a huge rush a 57 yard rush for a touchdown and he's been a fun player to watch and then Rosas kicks the 43 uh, yard field goal attempt to make the game 13 to 10 um for the Lions side of things, with Jared Goff out this week, Tim Boyle comes in instead. 15-23 for 77 yards and two interceptions. Not particularly great. Not too surprising, though. Um, the bright spot for this team, of course, the same as for the Browns. They're running back uh, DeAndre Swift, who went 14 for 136, and that 57-yard touchdown run we mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah, this was just two teams that are on weirdly weird paths. Like, the Lions have been extremely competitive in all of their matches. Uh... My apologies. Uh, They have not. In that case, Uh, the Lions have been extremely competitive in most of their matches. A few of them going down to the wire. Think uh, the Ravens' last-minute field goal that goes. There was another one. I think it was the Vikings that kicked a game-winning field goal on them. And then last week, going into overtime against the Steelers. Uh, And then this game, very competitive as well. Like you feel like the Lions have it right there. Like it's their potential of winning. It's right there, and they just miss it by an inch. And for the Browns, meanwhile, they do get the win, but more questions than answers, I think. Is Baker completely healthy? Because he has been playing through a lot of injuries recently. Uh, How is this team going to do in the future? And, you know, during the season, the playoff push and everything like that, as that continues on. um, And the conversation about Baker Mayfield and not keeping him as the quarterback, like there's discussion... They were booing him from the field, and I understand booing... So, as I mentioned in a few episodes in the past, I am an Eagles fan. And while I am not as vocal... uh, Not about the Eagles fandom, of course I'm vocal about that. Not as, like, loud in... Like, I'm not the type of person to boo my my team, uh, per se. That's just, like, a me thing. Completely fine with those that do and don't for whatever reasons you have, because I assume you have reasons. Um, So I'm not hating on the booing part. I'm just confused by the idea of, like, Browns fans saying, we don't need Baker, we need somebody else. Because my philosophy has always been, if you're replacing someone, you better know that they're better than who you're replacing, right? Like, if you have a B quarterback, you better make sure that the person coming in is at least a B plus, right? You don't want to go sideways or downwards, because sideways just makes things weird, and downwards means that you're going backwards. And we don't need to, of course, talk about the 20-plus quarterbacks that have been the Browns' quarterbacks since they came back into inception in the 98, 99 season or something like that. Um, we don't need to go through that because Baker has, without a doubt, in the new iterations of the Browns, been the best quarterback. I think that's safe to say. Baker has been the best quarterback in new Browns history. Is that a bold take? I don't think that's a bold take. Um Simply because of the relative consistencies had compared to everybody else. With that being said, however, if you're replacing him, you got you better know who you're replacing him with. And the idea of getting you know Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or something like that to play for the Browns, while possible, I don't think it's particularly likely. And I would rather keep Baker and just continue the way that they're playing right now, even if it does mean that uh, there is this sort of idea of. Oh, we're playing around Baker instead of playing, you know, with Baker or something like that. Like, at the end of the day, if you win a game, you win a game. I don't really care how I would win the game as long as the game is won. And I think most of the Browns players would feel the same way. Um, You know, it doesn't matter if I get uh, 100 touches or 0 touches. If we win the game, that's better than losing the game. Because stats don't mean everything, especially if we're trying to go win a Super Bowl because... The person that has the highest stats doesn't always win the Super Bowl. It's the person that won that final game. And in order to get to that final game, you got to win the other games. So um, that's just my thoughts. Uh, Baker has not gotten the extension uh, for his contract as of this morning. I think I, don't, I, doubt, I highly doubt he got an extension uh, during the day today. Um, so it looks as though this is going into a we're going to let him ride out that last season and then see what happens, which could either increase his price tag, they could be proven right and Baker just isn't that good, which I don't think is going to be the case, or Baker ends up walking, which is really weird, considering for all intents and purposes, Baker is the savior of the franchise. Like, he has saved the franchise, and yet they're kind of going... Anyway, that's just my thoughts on this. For the Lions, um, Jared Goff is coming back for the game against the Bears, which is probably a good thing, because if uh, the Lions have a shot at beating any team right now, it might be the Bears, who have a lot of Issues going around, going wrong, going around and wrong in their situation. Um, Though Andy Dalton is a good backup quarterback to uh, be able to lift the Bears over the Lions, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm actually curious to see how that Thanksgiving game goes tomorrow. However. The more things change, the more things stay the same. What does that mean? I don't honestly know. But Cam Newton's back in Carolina as the Washington football team take on the Carolina Panthers. The Washington football team and Ron Rivera come away with the victory. 27-21 over the Carolina Panthers. Though for no fault of Cam Newton, who I thought played very well in this game, uh, Newton ends the game going 21 of 27 for 189 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, also ran the ball 10 times for 46 yards and a touchdown as well. Christian McCaffrey, 10 rushes for 59 yards and 7 catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, A few other players to note, like DJ Moore, who had 5 catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Robbie Anderson had 5 catches as well. Tommy Tremble had a couple of catches and so on and so forth. Um, Panthers played really well in this game. I thought this was just a nice fun game. There wasn't a lot that you can point out really negative about this Cam Newton coming back to Carolina. Always a great thing to see um, come back to his roots. And he seems healthy, which is nice, because Cam, I feel like, has been effectively injured for the past three seasons um, due to a variety of reasons. But now that Cam is back, and he sort of seems like the Cam of, maybe not MVP Cam, but like the years after the MVP season, where he was still pretty good. um, He sort of seems like that, which is always good, I think. Uh, It's nice to see Cam back to uh, act in normal, I guess. Or at least, like, it's good to see a healthy Cam because I think that's always really good for the league because of how he plays and how fun it is to watch Cam Newton play. Um, for Carolina, uh, they, they did a solid r- job rushing the ball 21 for 111 in that score, and then Cam was pretty good offensively. Uh, but Washington came in and just ran the football down Carolina's throat. 40 rushes, 190 yards, and Tyler, Taylor Heineke didn't have to do a lot. 16-22 of for 206 and three touchdowns um he is playing very nice like precision football and that plus the rushing attack like Antonio Gibson's 19 for 95 Heineke ran 6 times for 29 yards as the season has gone on you have definitely seen Taylor Heineke progress a lot more which makes me think like i don't i don't necessarily think Washington is in the hunt for a franchise quarterback like they're not going to i don't see Washington drafting a quarterback the way that Heineke's played like i've seen enough progression from him to suggest that if he continues on this path, it'll be a good way forward, uh, especially with this victory over a Panthers team that is uh, record-wise is at least better than they are. Washington, 4-6, and six, while Carolina drops to 5-6. and six. Washington, of course, uh, still theoretically in the hunt for the wildcard spot with the way that the NFC is lined up. And I think at the end of this episode, I'll go over the uh, seedings and stuff and the interesting facts that I see about that. Um, Carolina, though, drops to 5-6 and six. again, still in that wildcard hunt, although with this loss, I believe they are out I'm saying this without actually looking at the uh, seating, so that probably isn't ideal. Um, let me go look that up while I have the shot at it. Um, yeah, so Carolina has been weird as well, especially with how Sam Darnold's injury has fallen and Cam being back and playing well. I think this might be Cam's job to lose, uh, which is a weird saying, but also the case. Um, and I don't know if Sam Darnold's going to have another shot at Carolina, at least, maybe another team was willing to pick him up uh, and fix him, I guess, so to speak. Not fix him, but, like, make him show show the talent that I think Sam Donald actually has, um, and kind of showed off in the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, anyway, that is how this game goes. Fun little thing that I uh, heard after the fact. Um, this was... Uh, the other day was Ron Rivera, the head coach for the Washington football teams, one year after rehab or chemotherapy for cancer. I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, and the Washington football team actually raised a bunch of money for, uh, like, that was a one-year gift, and Ron Rivera decided to donate it to uh, St. Jude's Hospital, as he mentioned on the Rich Eisen show, um, which is always very nice to hear, and uh, I like how Rich was talking about, um, like, money is in the till, effectively, before the uh, the promotion for St. Jude, which usually goes on around the draft. Uh, money's already there, which is always very good. Nice to donate. We go into the next matchup, and this, everyone, is the upset. Uh, the upset. I don't. I don't know what word I was trying to say before. The upset that uh, I was talking about previously. The Houston Texans beat the Tennessee Titans twenty-two to thirteen, pulling them up to two and eight, while the Titans go down to eight and three. Yet, not what I expected, um, necessarily, but something that happened nevertheless. Of course, Terod Taylor is now back at quarterback for the Texans, which I think played a significant role in this. Terod is just too good to be he's too good of a quarterback to be to not win games if that makes any sense um statistically it doesn't necessarily look like that Dorado was 14 to 24 107 yards no touchdowns or interceptions six rushers for 28 yards but just his presence on the field i think is very good for this texans team um they didn't. It's not like statistically they were particularly good, good at all. Like a 38 rushes for 83 yards, as I mentioned, only 107 passing yards, and yet, due to five turnovers by this Tennessee defense, or by the Texans defense, five turnovers turnovers by Tennessee, Tannehill has his probably I would definitely say his worst game as a pro. 35 of 52 for 323 yards sounds okay, but one touchdown and four interceptions, not good at all by any stretch of the imagination um not good at all there were a bunch of fumbles as well they counted four fumbles of which one was lost by chester rogers this is the one that bounces off of his leg i think uh and they consider that a uh, a fumble on the punt return so that combined with a not very effective rushing attack by tennessee 25 for 103 including adrian peterson who has since been cut by the titans although they may bring him back um It'll be interesting to see how that lines up before the next week's matchup. Uh, Peterson went nine for forty yards, and D- Dontrell Hillard had seven for thirty-five. Deontay Foreman seven for twenty-five. Um, overall, just this was a really good effort by the defense. I think the one interception that really pops into my head is uh, one of is the one by uh, Kamagruje Hill. That might be because he's a former Eagle, and I just remember that really good. But he he just jumped in front of the pass. Uh, and ran. I, I honestly thought he was going to score a touchdown there, but uh, not fast enough, unfortunately, to get the pick six. But still, that Desmond King had two interceptions. Terrence Mitchell had an interception as well, and just completely. This was a defensive win for the uh, for the Texans. Not necessarily because the offense couldn't do anything, but they didn't really have to. I mean, they were starting with short field position all the time, to the point where all of these low stats would suggest, like, oh, the Texans got blown out, but instead, nah, we, we only had to go 30 yards to score the touchdown. We didn't need to go, you know, the full length of the field, and comparing that with the Titans, who just were completely off this game, um, eventually leads to the upset loss there uh, by the Texans. Great job for them. I think, again, for a young team with a lot of pieces that are just trying to fit together, having that veteran quarterback like Gerard Taylor has has had some success in this league. I think people have forgotten that he was on... Uh, he was the, the quarterback that led the Bills out of this playoff drought. Uh, that they eventually went to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years or so. Um, like, he was a quarterback of that team. It wasn't Josh Allen. It was a quarterback before him. Um, and in, people had sort of forgotten that because of how the Browns' tenure went, which wasn't particularly great. And now he's on the Texans, a team that's just kind of under the radar. But... Uh, you know he's definitely got the ability to to do well in these games, and uh, that's how they won their first game of the year, and uh, how they won this game as well. Titans, meanwhile, I think this might have just been a one-off. I don't think necessarily that this is how um, the future of the Titans is going to be. This isn't uh, the way that it's going to end up going. Uh, as long as they can continue that rushing attack, I feel like they've got a shot there. But uh, this does impact their seeding shots a little bit which, again, we'll talk about later in the episode. I'm actually curious to see how much I talk about each of these teams, because I think they are very, like, at the beginning of episodes, whatever games are first, I end up talking about for a really long time, and then as we go along, uh, I tend to shrink down a little bit. Uh, this next game is definitely one I'm going to talk small about, because it was kind of just a regular game that happened. We all expected it all going in, we knew what was happening going out. 49ers take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they win 30-10. to A thorough victory by the 49ers nothing really surprising there i mean the 49ers started off scoring the first 17 points of the game uh to the point that even though i was watching the game i just like i didn't even realize until after the fact that i just skipped over one of the jacksonville drives uh like i kind of i was like looking away from my uh i think it was the first drive uh the first jacksonville drive at the end of the first quarter um I just, you know, I was looking away from my, like, at my phone for a second. Came back and then, presto, they were punting the ball away. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, One thing I want to note: the very first drive of the game uh, was (laughs) was Madden-esque because the 49ers take 13 minutes on a, I think it was like 20-play drive or something. Um, Just wow, right? And and all of that to lead to a field goal, which I think accomplishes multiple goals of the 49ers playing this keep-away ball and uh, not letting Jacksonville even have a shot and also ending the drive with points, which is always the ideal situation. Um, The way that the game ended up playing statistically, Garoppolo is 16-22 for 176 and two touchdowns. This is basically the stat that the 49ers want him to have. I don't think with Garoppolo, I don't think you... If you're in a situation where Garoppolo is throwing the ball 40 or 50 times, it's Usually because of desperation situations, I don't think they want to be in a desperation situation. If Grappolo sits back twenty five times, you know I'm gonna go, you know, throw the ball at seventy percent, eighty percent accuracy. Yeah, we got this. It's all over. Uh the rushing attack was uh kind of split between a few people. Uh they ended up rushing the ball forty two times, which is of course exactly what they want for one hundred seventy one yards in the touchdown. Ah, uh, Debo Samuel eight rushes for seventy nine yards, which they used him a lot in the rushing game, considering he's a you know wide receiver. Um, not much in the passing game, actually. It looks like he only had one catch. Um, other rushing players, Jeff Wilson, Trace Arman, um each had about a dozen or so carries for around 30 to 40 yards. Um, yeah, just basically heavy rush doses, play action. Jimmy Garoppolo, the ideal, like, 49ers-esque thing. As for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, 16 for 25, 150 yards. 58 yards, sorry. No touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, He also ran the ball a couple times, which is pretty nice because I think Lawrence hasn't run the ball as much as I expected him to. Uh, Now, I, I don't watch a lot of college football, so I'm not sure how much he ran in college. But, of course, the play that comes up when you think of Trevor Lawrence is you think of that large run... Uh, going down the field, the the whatever, like the galloping, like a deer type of thing that he was doing Um, in, was it the championship game or the semifinal games in one of the years? Uh, That's what I think of at least. So, uh, the fact that he ran the ball a couple times, very nice, but sort of like, you know, does he do that all the time? Should he do that all the time? No, no, I'm just not sure. Um, Outside of that, no real rushing attack. Uh, James Robinson ran the ball 12 times for 29 yards and that basically wrapped it up. Jackson was a team, ran 16 times for 54 yards in the touchdown. Um, Yeah basically how it is uh the turnover battle san francisco got two turnovers time of possession they outpossessed the jaguars by over 17 minutes i think uh and penalties eight penalties for jacksonville one penalty for san francisco kind of leads to a standard victory 30 to 10 as the 49ers jump up to five and five and back in that wild card hunt as uh they were sort of out of it for a while jacksonville falls to two and eight now and more or less out of the uh playoff picture uh while i don't think they're statistically out of the picture Is not particularly likely that they will uh, end up going uh, all the way to uh, the playoffs. So, yeah. Though at this point, uh, as was kind of expected, this was sort of a year for Jacksonville to just kind of see, like, okay, can Trevor Lawrence develop? How is Urban Meyer in the league? Uh, And so far, I think recently, they've been doing pretty well. So uh, there's good signs for Jacksonville, at least in the coming future. The next matchup is a matchup between the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins in MedLife Stadium, as the Dolphins come away with the victory 24-17 over the New York Jets, bringing the Dolphins up to 4-7, and while the Jets fall to 2-8. and Um, this was a competitive match, I felt. I felt I felt like this was a pretty good match, all things considered, for uh, these two teams. Um... In the game, there were a few, like you had a little dose of everything. Uh, you had a few big passes as well, especially in the third quarter. I think of like the Mac Holland's 65-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Elijah Moore with a 62-yard touchdown pass. And uh, the quarterbacks of both teams doing pretty well. For the Dolphins, Tua, 27-33, to 33, 273, two touchdowns and an interception. Um, also ran the ball three times for six yards. Again, Tua I always thought was more of a running quarterback, but I guess he's trying to be more of a pocket passer. The scheme is sort of fitting that way. Um... That, plus Miles Gaskin, who ran the ball 23 times. That's a lot for 89 yards. Uh, building that rushing attack, 33 attempts for Miami as a hole for 115 yards and a touchdown. Um, they kind of controlled aspects of this game, but again, this was more of a back and forth sort of affair. As the Jets, with quarterback Joe Flacco coming in, 24-39 for 291 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He played very well um, in this game. And that, plus the rushing attack led by Michael Carter, uh, going 18 for 102. They didn't run the ball a lot, uh, which might have been the downfall at the end of the game. Uh, but, yeah, they had a very good effort by Flacco, I thought, it did pretty well for the most part. And then it just kind of became the Dolphins game once they reached, I'd say, like the fourth quarter. Um, like midway through the fourth, they kind of just controlled the game at that point. The Jets couldn't really get anything going. And the Dolphins kind of milked some clock and got some extra points on, like, field goal attempts. So... That is how that game ended up going. This upcoming week is going to be interesting. I believe Zach Wilson is starting for the Jets this game um, due to a uh, a COVID-related situation involving Mike White and uh, Joe Flacco, who uh, I believe is unvaccinated. Um, yeah, he is unvaccinated for the uh, COVID virus um, because Flacco is a close contact and Mike White, I believe, either caught it or is a close contact. I'm not 100% sure. So Zach Wilson is going to end up starting this matchup uh, next week for the Jets against the Houston Texans, which will be an interesting matchup for both teams that are looking to add an extra victory to their belt. Um, As for the Dolphins, great game for Tua, and I think... Uh, While the conversation about Tua is definitely not going to die down, this was a good game for his uh, resume at least, Um, I thought he played pretty well, and it'll be interesting to see. The Dolphins are more or less out of the picture, but they might have a shot of winning against Carolina next week, so it'll be interesting to look at. Next game on the list, and this was a game that I was sort of surprised at how it ended up turning out. The Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints go head-to-head in Lincoln Financial Field, and at home, Philadelphia comes away with the first victory for Nick Sirianni at home, 40-29 to over the New Orleans Saints. Um, 40-29 to was not the score uh, when this game was considered over because this game was over basically at the third quarter. Uh, there was an outside shot at the Saints coming back, but not really. And a Jalen Hurts 24-yard rush uh, with about four minutes running. That was, in my opinion, one of Jalen Hurts' best rushes of the season. Um, kind of sealed the deal there. So, first off, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. What a game. 13 for 24 for 147 yards. Not great. Maybe passing-wise, he didn't have to uh, because he ran the ball 18 times. That's right. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, ran the ball 18 times. Uh, for 69 yards and three touchdowns. He had multiple goal line rushes for touchdowns early on in the game. That was like, okay, this is going to be one of those games for Hurts. Uh, Miles Sanders came back after uh, being on IR for the past couple of weeks, 16 of 94, back into the groove of things. He did have a lost fumble uh, in deep into their own possession, so the Saints had a short field position. But outside of that and another fumble that was uh, reversed or not ruled a fumble due to like forward progression, Um, Despite that, Sanders had a really good game. Jordan Howard, 10 for 63. Boston Scott, 6 for 16. That led to this Eagles rushing attack running 50 times for 242 yards and 3 touchdowns. Uh, Of course, most of that done by Jalen Hurts. As for the uh, New Orleans Saints, they ran the ball 22 times for 109 and a TD. Trevor Simeon, 22 of 40 for 214 yards, 3 touchdowns, but 2 interceptions. One of them being a pick 6 by Big Play Slay a interception for 51 yards uh, that brought it back to the house. And don't look now, Darius Slay, I think, has three touchdowns in the past four weeks because he has a pick six, he has the fumble recovery against the Broncos, and there's another play that I'm forgetting. Um, Darius Slay having relatively recently. Let's see if I can look that up real quick. Uh, um, Let's see here. He's got that, the fumble, and another fumble recovery against Detroit. Uh, that led to a touchdown as well. So, yeah, don't look now, but like Darius Slay has been playing phenomenally over the past uh, couple of weeks, which is always great to see, especially since he's the number one big corner for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Simeon was sacked. Uh, wasn't sacked at all, but he was pressured a lot, and I thought that was very good by the Eagles. It kind of forced him into some bad throws that ended up uh, resulting in the multiple turnovers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, this game also... Uh, Jake Elliott, shout out to Jake Elliott, who was the special teams player of the week. I just remembered that, uh, four field goal attempts and four extra points. Always really good if you got him on your, uh, fantasy team, especially because a few of those were pretty deep field goals, like 50 yards and 47 yards, uh, in the game. Uh, this game basically, uh, as I mentioned previously, was over, uh, at the end of the third quarter, the score was 33 to seven. And then the Saints put up some sort of, uh, comeback attempt that was actually looking somewhat serious with about seven minutes remaining the score was 33-22, to 22, and then the Eagles go on a drive, capped by Jalen Hurts with a 24-yard rush that like broke the ankles of a couple players, uh, leading to the victory here. And the Eagles, don't look now, are 5-6, and six, which doesn't sound great, but that does put them in the heat of the wild card hunt. And uh, with the remaining schedule that the Eagles have, one of the few schedules I actually do know, is heavy on divisional matches, and mostly the Giants and Washington football team. Um, their remaining schedule in total... Now is two matchups against the Giants, two matchups against the football team, one matchup against the Jets, and the final week of the season is against the uh, Cowboys. It is not in that order, except the Cowboys being the last week of the season. Um, But it is a relatively record wise, a relatively easy schedule, and there is an outside shot Philadelphia could run the table here, end up going, you know, 10 6, not 10 6, 11 6, uh, depending, of course, on how much of an effort the Cowboys put in in the final week and whether that matters and, you know, upsets and all that sort of stuff. But uh, don't look now with the Eagles have a shot here, and the Saints now falling to 5-5, five and five, uh, now throwing them deep into that wild card fight between all these teams that are going head-to-head against each other. Um, so that's one thing that you're looking forward to if you're an Eagles fan, if you're a Saints fan uh, with a much tougher division and more tougher matches overall. I think the Eagles have one of the easiest, if not the easiest, schedule from this point forward, so it'll be interesting to see how that turns out for both of these teams in the future. Um, as for Jalen Hurts being the starting quarterback for the Eagles, I think as we build... As we, as an Eagles fan. Um, as the team builds more of a rushing identity, I think Hurts fits into that a lot easier and gives him more time to learn the nuances of being a quarterback in the NFL, I guess is the best way to describe it. Because again, this he's he started less than a full season so far. And despite that, you know the Eagles have uh, roughly a little bit under a 500 record with Jalen Hurts, which I think is pretty solid considering... The, the efforts of most of the rookie quarterbacks this season. Two teams come into the matchup needing a victory to stay on track for their season, and one of them come away with it. I'm talking about the Vegas Raiders versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Who will come out with the victory? It is the Bengals coming away with the victory. 32-13 over the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Bengals go up to 6-4, and four, while the Raiders fall to 5-5. Five and five. Uh, This game relatively slow start that eventually picked up as time went on. The Bengals kind of put things away in the fourth quarter in particular. Uh, for the Bengals, Joe Burrow 20 of 29 for 148 yards in the touchdown, no interceptions. Like a lot of quarterbacks ended up throwing for sub 200 yards this week. Uh, sort of a thing I noticed. Uh, For the the Bengals as well, they really went on the rushing attack there, 38 attempts for 159 yards and two touchdowns capped off by Joe Mixon, who had 30 of those rushes for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Yeah, this was kind of just a a ho-hum affair for the Bengals there, while the Raiders, Derek Carr, 19 for 27, 215 yards, one touchdown and one interception, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake had a couple of rushes here and there, but the Raiders as a whole only ran the ball 18 times for 72 yards. Uh, the big difference here that shows up in the stat sheet is penalties. The Raiders had seven penalties for 77 yards, while the Cincinnati Bengals had one for 15. And it felt like every time the Raiders got something going, a penalty would show up and that would push them back and kill all momentum. Um, that's sort of how this game ended up winding down for the most part. Um, this was you know, a relatively safe game, nothing too crazy beyond the Bengals sort of just winning solidly. Uh, they go up to 6-4 and four now in what is probably the toughest division in the NFL right now, the AFC North, while the Raiders fall to 5-5 five and five and are, I'm not going to say out of the divisional uh, race for the top seed, you know, the, the divisional crown, but it does make things significantly more challenging for them as the Chiefs have sort of figured out what's going on and the Chargers are probably the clear second-place team. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the coming weeks. But the Raiders, after starting off the season pretty well, uh, have sort of hit a skid. They've got to figure out what to do from here. Uh, it'll be interesting to me to see how the Bengals play against the Steelers next week. A tough, of course, divisional match, but also because of how difficult this AFC North is, every game really does matter for them. While the Raiders are playing against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, if they can come away with the upset there, Uh, Not only will the Raiders right the ship, so to speak, but they'll be able to put a dent in the Cowboys as well on Thanksgiving, something that a lot of teams, when they go to the Cowboys, will want to do. Speaking of the Cowboys, the next matchup is the Cowboys matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs come away with the victory 19-9, not the offensive explosion that we expected when coming into the game. Uh, Instead, a very defensive matchup, led, of course, by the Kansas City Chiefs, For uh, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 37 for 260 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Also sacked three times. Statistically, not a great game, though he did play like the better quarterback, I would say. Um, The rushing attack for the Chiefs, 26 for 126, and two touchdowns led by Clyde Edwards-Alaire for 1263. And uh, Travis Kelsey had a rushing touchdown as well in this game. Uh, Yeah, just kind of a... Kind of a weird game, I think, coming into it. We'll go with the Cowboys stats, actually. Uh, Dak Prescott, 28-43 of for 216 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and sacked five times. Uh, The rushing game couldn't get going for the Cowboys. Tony Pollard and Zeke combined for 16 carries and 82 yards. Uh, the, The Cowboys as a whole ran the ball 16 times for 82 yards. No one else ran the ball. Um... Yeah, this was just kind of a weird game because when going in, you would have expected like both of these high-powered offenses, somewhat struggling defenses, or defenses that aren't exactly the cream of the crop. Uh, you would expect the high scorings. but the Chiefs in recent weeks have sort of picked back up on their defensive skills. The Cowboys have been underrated, I think, defensively, especially compared to how they were, they, they have been in the past few years. Uh, they definitely sort of fixed that up, um, and that led to this end game result uh, of 19 to nine. Uh, Dak definitely felt off in this game I think you could notice that throughout the game I didn't mention this either, he had two fumbles, one of them lost uh, as well which is kind of added to the struggles that the Cowboys had this week um, more of the Broncos loss than it was the Falcons win, especially with how dominant that victory was, uh, and this loss again, pushing the Eagles forward and pushing the Cowboys back when it comes to that divisional hunt um, do I think the Eagles can catch up? probably not, um especially with how the Cowboys have been overall this season. I still think they've got the division more or less in the bag, but uh, still something to throw out there nevertheless to uh, look on in the future. Uh, I think as time goes on, Dak will get more healthy and it'll be back to regular old Dak. Um, Zeke did go out with an injury. It'll be uh, important to see how he goes in the future. And especially tomorrow's game against the Raiders, uh, but overall, good win for the Chiefs. They now have sort of stabilized for the most part, especially with this division. Uh, the Cowboys, with the loss, drop down to 7-3, while the Chiefs go up to 7-4. and four. Um, One thing I did want to point out, the Chiefs' defense, I think, has fixed itself, obviously. But this is something that has happened with the Chiefs' defense all the time. Um, I think I remember the first year Sp- uh, Steve Spagnuolo came to the Chiefs. This, was, this would be either the last year of Alex Smith or the first year of Patrick Mahomes. Um... This same sort of discussion happened where the defense was struggling at the beginning of the year, and people were like, oh, this is a repeat of the Broncos uh, back when Peyton Manning was breaking records, but nobody could do anything. Um, And then as time went on, the Chiefs fixed that defense up, and it led them to a deep run in the playoffs. Um, Same sort of situation happening here. I guess the only difference is that people are focusing on Patrick Mahomes more than they were then, or are giving him more grief either way. Same sort of situation happening. And the same sort of result, I think, is possibly going to happen as well. Um, prior to the season, I did predict. Uh, prior, I say prior to the season, you know, after we won. Uh, but in the beginning of the season, I did predict that the Super Bowl was going to be Chiefs-Rams, I believe. Um, and so far, nothing, despite all the ups and downs that both of these teams have had, nothing's really suggesting that that's incorrect, per se. So, uh, we'll be interesting to see how that goes on in the future. The next and final matchup of the Sunday afternoonish slate, uh, at least East Coast-wise, uh, is the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks going head-to-head. The Cardinals come away with a 23-13 victory over the struggling Seattle Seahawks, who dropped 3-7. Cardinals go up to 9-2, and, and as mentioned before, uh, have pretty much secured the one seed for the next week. Like Even if they lose and everybody nearby ends up winning, uh, the Cardinals still end up with the one seed because they are uh, heads above and beyond everybody else when it comes to record at nine and two. Uh, this was Zach Ertz's game, I think, basically uh, for the Cardinals as a whole. Colt McCoy, after a struggle last week, I think back on Colt McCoy's self, uh, 35 of 44 for 328 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, was sacked twice, but not a big deal. Um, also ran the ball 16 times. Sorry, not 16, uh, six times for 18 yards. Uh, I always thought Colt McCoy um, was a pretty solid quarterback for the Browns, if not resulting in a lot of wins. I thought he was a fun quarterback, nevertheless, and he's always been a really good backup. Um, So coming into the game here, right back to his stuff, uh, leading the Cardinals to multiple victories now uh, with him in the lead instead of Kyler Murray. Uh, James Conner ran the ball 21 times for 62 yards as a whole, contributing to Arizona's 33 rushes for 95 yards and touchdown. Um, Not a particularly heavy run game, either team, Seattle ran the ball nineteen times for eighty six yards. And Russell Wilson, uh fourteen to twenty six for two oh seven, no touchdowns or interceptions, and also sacked four times as well. Um, like I said, Zach Ertz's game, he had eight catches for eighty eight yards and two touchdowns. Um just he was on fire from the game beginning. Uh multiple touchdowns early on in the game, just making a lot of clutch catches. Uh then it turned to a field goal game for a while before eventually both teams uh threw some uh touchdowns at the uh, end of the game to make it a little bit more spicy when it came to the score. Um, in terms of this game, Cardinals taking care of a lesser opponent, I guess is the best way to describe the way that this game ended up resulting. Um, Seattle has struggled immensely over the past uh, few weeks now, with a 3-7 and record. Now, one of, if not the worst records in Pete Carroll's tenure as the Seattle Seahawks head coach, especially considering how far into the season they are. Um, Leading to some debate about whether Pete Carroll should stay as the head coach or not, I say he should, I don't see why the track record suggests that he hasn't, but change does need to happen, and whether Pete Carroll forces it, Russell Wilson forces it, management forces it, or some other reason, change is likely coming for the Seattle Seahawks, which is somewhat surprising, I think given the relative success they have had in the past decade and how quickly that has kind of fallen apart. Um, as for the Cardinals nine and two now, again, the number one seed by a decent margin, um, heading into next week, Seattle is going up against the Washington football team, uh, on November 29th, while the Cardinals are heading to the Chicago bears on December 5th. So I think Cardinals have a bye this week. Um, yeah. Oh, so they're having a bye. So even if everything happens, uh, I'm sorry, I, I thought that the Cardinals had a matchup next week. Um, so yeah, while they're on the bye, even if everybody catches up, still they're going to be the number one seed. So there you go. Sunday Night Football coming up here. Los Angeles Chargers, Pittsburgh Steelers, a very competitive game, especially at the end. But the Chargers sneak away with the victory 41-37. to A high-scoring affair. Uh, this game started off with the Chargers having at uh, at one point, I think, multiple 14-point leads, I think, uh, throughout this game, especially in that fourth quarter where a bunch of scoring took place. Uh, Steelers put a ferocious comeback that actually, actually ends up leading to them taking the lead with three and a half minutes remaining, but uh, a pass from Justin Herbert to Mike Williams at the end uh, eventually leads to the Chargers with this victory. Um Stats speaking-wise, Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers, 28-44, 273, two, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, was sacked three times as well. Uh, in the beginning of the game, I thought he was struggling a bit, just not as uh, dominant as they needed him to be. And then the fourth quarter, uh, they really picked it up. The Steelers as a whole really picked it up in the fourth quarter, and it was just one of those little too-late too type of things. Um leading to them going 5-4-1 and one now, while the Chargers are 6-4. Uh, Chargers, Justin Herbert, 30-41, 382 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception, also sacked twice. Uh, ran the ball nine times for 90 yards, which is something that we sort of forget in the same way that we forget about Daniel Jones, which we'll talk about in the next matchup. Uh, we sort of forget how mobile Justin Herbert is, uh, but he was moving this game. He had a long run of 36 yards, that I remember, because he kind of just ducked to the side and kind of went back to the middle of the field. Um... Austin Eckler had a big game as well, uh, a game that I think we've sort of glossed over with how big Jonathan Taylor was, but uh, Eckler, 11 rushes, 50 yards, and two touchdowns, and then six catches for 65 yards and two touchdowns, ends the game with four touchdowns himself. So uh, any of you fantasy owners, uh, I'm actually curious, is anyone there uh, with fantasy that ended up having you know Justin Taylor, Justin Taylor, sorry, Austin uh, Eckler, and uh, Jonathan Taylor? as their running backs, because they must have just racked in points this week. Um, Just overall, really dominant effort by the Chargers uh, initially speaking, and then it's just a little too soon for uh, this U.S. comeback. A few players to talk about, Deontay Johnson, at 7 catches for 101 yards and touchdown for the Steelers. uh, And for the Chargers, 9 catches for 112 yards for Keenan Allen, who I think uh, has been underrated this season as a really top-tier receiver. Um, Allen, so far... I'm going to look up his stats, actually. Where are you so far this season? In the 10 games, he's played all 10. 74 catches for 810 yards. Um, he's played seven or 10 games so far. So, 74 catches, 10 games, uh, in a 17-game season. That's 126 catches for... Uh, let's see what that goes into. 1,400 yards. Yeah, that's really good um 1400 yards uh, it it would be with the the extra game but uh 1400 yards would be uh his career high basically on par with his 2017 season where he had 102 catches for 1400 yards basically uh and six touchdowns doesn't have a lot of touchdowns this season uh that might pick up in the future but uh the rushing yards not the rushing sorry the receiving yards and the uh, catches are on par with his best career season so very cool to see for Keenan Allen, for the Steelers. Um, last week they sort of played down to their competition in the tie. This week they play up to their competition, leading to a close loss. Um, they are still above 500, and with a matchup next week against Cincinnati, still have a real shot at uh, going, you know, back into the divisional hunt again. This division is very, very competitive. And for the Chargers, now with this win, uh, they do sort of keep pace with the Chiefs being a game behind the Chiefs, though. They do need a game or a game and half or a half a game or something like that. Uh, they do need to, to find a victory somewhere to be able to put them over the Chiefs. Uh, this division, initially, it would look like a, a four-team division. Uh, now as the Broncos and the Raiders sort of fall out, uh, it becomes a two-team competition, though, between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Uh, The Chargers next week will be going up against the Broncos, so that's a perfect opportunity for the Chargers to build some divisional momentum while pushing the Broncos back. Uh, The Broncos obviously won't uh, want that because, you know, losing, not great. In the final matchup of Week 11, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the New York Giants and end the game 30-10 over the Giants. Buccaneers go up to 7-3, Giants fall to 3-7, and eventually... Later on that week, fire Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator. The first big firing this season, I think. Uh, obviously not head coach level uh, firing, but offensive coordinator firing is definitely something um, something uh, of note. And I think the key play to figure that out is the one where Daniel Jones rolls out to the right, throws left, presumably where a receiver or Saquon Barkley, I can't remember exactly, would be, and just throws it right into the hand of uh, one of the defensive linemen for the uh, was it uh, Adoree Jackson I think um right or sorry Adoree Jackson is for the Giants I'm looking at the wrong uh, the wrong stats oh no who was my uh, my big friend that had the uh, the interception um, it is I want to make sure I get them right because it's Big Man with the interception we gotta love those um, Steve McLendon. Mc, uh, there we go yeah Steve McLendon. Which is right there, like, okay, I'll take this, I guess. Uh, yeah, so, uh, as for, for the Broncos, sorry, not for the Broncos, for the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, 30 for 46, 307, two touchdowns, one interception, it Wasn't exactly a phenomenal game by Brady, uh, and he even acknowledged it after the fact uh, in the press conference where I think he was saying, like, this, we were trying to fine-tune ourselves. Uh, kind of insulting to the Giants, not gonna lie, but, uh, yeah, you could sort of see that in the game. Uh, Gapper came into the game a little bit afterwards, and this game was kind of away. Gabriel goes 2-for-2 for for 11 yards as well, though he did take a sack. Uh, Rushing game non-existent for Tampa Bay, 27 rushes for only 94 yards and touchdowns. The Giants have even had even less of a rushing game, only 13 rushes for 66 yards. Uh, And especially when this game was more competitive, I would have thought they would ran the ball more. But uh, instead, Daniel Jones, 23 of 38, 167, one touchdown, two interceptions, one of them being the bad one. Um, Two sacks as well, Uh, three rushes for 10 yards. This was not a great game for Daniel Jones. Uh... And without any rushing game to lean on, this was not great. Uh, a lot of discussion now about Daniel Jones' career with the Giants, and I have always been a supporter of Daniel Jones. I think he does have the talent, and in the right system, would be really good. The problem is, I think, in combination of Daniel Jones just hasn't progressed as much as we expected. Uh, also, I don't think the system was particularly great. I don't know if Garrett uh, did as good of a job as I think he could have of exploiting Daniel Jones' strengths. Uh, especially his move ability. So that, of course, led to his firing. For the Giants, they go up next week against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are surging right now, and the Giants really need to show something here for not only Joe Judge's sake, but also for Daniel Jones and the rest of the Giants' sake. Because this is a team that, uh, similar to a team in the NBA that hovers around that 8-9 seed, uh, this is a Giants team that has just been sputtering at below average without really jumping up or moving down. Um, like They're not bad enough to get the one number one overall pick. Uh, they did get Saquon Barkley on the number two pick. Um, they're not bad enough to be at that one pick, but they're also not good enough to actually be competitive. They're kind of just in that weird zone. Well, the Bucks, meanwhile, fine tune or not, they are now 7-3 and three and go up against the Indianapolis Colts next week, which is going to be, I think, a very, very good match uh, and one that will be interesting to watch. That does wrap up all of the games, as I mentioned in a few of the uh, specific show specific um, team matchups. Uh, I did want to go over the playoff picture and just kind of see what it looked like right now. Um, and if you guys want to hear this, you can. Uh, so far, so in the AFC, Titans are the ones lead. Ravens two, Patriots three, Chiefs four, Bengals five, Chargers six, Bills seven. On the bubble, Steelers, Colts, Browns, Raiders, Broncos, Dolphins, Texans, Jaguars, Jets. Uh, of those, I think the cutoff is basically at the either the Dolphins or Texans somewhere in between there. Um, right now, uh, we'll actually go over the, the records themselves. Titans are eight and three. Ravens are seven and three. Patriots seven and four. Chiefs seven and four. Bengals six and four. Chargers six and four. Bills six and four. Uh, Steelers at the 8th seed five four and one. Colts six and five at the nine seed. Browns six and five at the ten seed. Raiders five and five at the eleven seed. Broncos five and five at the twelve seed. Dolphins four and seven at the thirteenth. Texans 2-8 at the 14th, Jaguars 2-8 and eight at the 15th, Jets 2-8 at the 16th seed. Again, that cut off probably somewhere in that 13-14 range. So, in the AFC, 12 teams have a 500 record or better, uh, thus making this an ultra-competitive division. Uh, Sorry, not conference. That is just, you know, very, very stacked with a lot of teams that have uh, playoff potential. For the NFC side... Cardinals, one seed and nine and two. Packers, two seed, eight and three. Buccaneers, three seed, seven and three. Cowboys, four seed, seven and three. Rams, fifth seed, seven and three. Vikings, six seed, five and five. Saints, seven seed, five and five. Uh, On the bubble, 49ers, eight seed, five and five. Eagles, nine seed, five and six. Carolina, 10 seed, five and six. Washington, 11 seed, four and six. Falcons, 12 seed, four and six. Giants, 13 seed, three and seven. Bears, 14 seed, three and seven. Seahawks, 15 seed, three and seven. And the Lions with the 16 seed, 0, nine, and one. Um, NFC is a complete opposite right now of the teams that are competitive, which I guess cut off at the Falcons, uh, based on the way that things are lining up. Uh, Giants, and Bears have an out- Giants, Bears, and Seahawks I guess have an outside job, but I don't really think so. Uh, they've got 12 teams now, uh, but of which. There are only eight teams total that have five hundred record or better. Uh, and yet despite that, there are twelve to fifteen, depending on how loose you want to be with the definition, teams that have a realistic shot of making the uh, wildcard spot. So yeah, while the AFC has a bunch of teams with high records, the NFC has a bunch of teams with low records, which I guess makes sense mathematically speaking, but also, um, you know, right now it's seeing on the bubble for the uh, for the AFC, like the Browns at six and five for the ten seed right now, while the Eagles right now are the nine seed at five and six, right? So for the NFC. So it'll be um, interesting to look at, of course. The wild cards are the big things to look at of the divisions right now. Um Titans have more or less wrapped up the AFC South with uh multiple victories of the Colts. The Ravens, again, that the entire division, when these the Browns are the worst team in the division at a six and five record, that division's going down to the wire. Patriots right now are the three seed, and to, as I mentioned, an opportunity to go up to the one seed, where it's them and the Bills really fighting it out right now. Uh, and the AFC West, very competitive. It is mostly the Chargers and Chiefs kind of fighting for who's going to have the division, who's going to have the um, wildcard spot, as the Raiders are currently the 11 seed, Broncos are the 12 seed. Wildcard seats, the Bengals, Chargers, and Bills, of course, right there, a few teams behind them. On the NFC side, the West is not wrapped up, but it's similar to the uh, Chiefs-Chargers situation, where it's just the Cardinals and Rams kind of figuring out who's going to be the AFC West West representative and have that bye week. Uh, It does look like the Cardinals have sort of uh, wrapped up that. For the most part, they are two games ahead with about five or six games remaining. Um, With how many games is that? Eleven? Six games remaining. Two games up with six games remaining. We'll see if that's enough for the overall lead. Packers have taken the yeah, the Packers have definitely taken the North right now. They are up by three games with six games remaining over the Vikings who have the sixth seed. Uh, Bucks right now they're up by two games over the Saints. The Saints do have the one victory. I can't remember if they played twice or not. Um, Bucks do have a two-game lead right now on the NFC South. And the Cowboys right now have a two-game lead over the Philadelphia Eagles, though with one head-to-head matchup win for the Cowboys. Uh, So they've kind of more or less wrapped up the division not official in the way like the titans one feels um and the cardinals one feels for the most part but uh there are some pictures that are being painted right now for these teams and of course as i mentioned previously the rams vikings and saints are currently the wildcard teams um so that is your week 11 review hopefully this episode isn't too long um but we'll see how it goes after editing and all of that sort of stuff thank you very much for listening uh, as always, as I mentioned previously, if you want to see the picks for Week 12, all you have to do is go to Region. that's at A-H-D-U-R-I-N region on Twitter, where you can see the Week 12 picks and all the other picks along with other content that I make. Um, you can also tweet at me if you've got anything to suggest on the show, whether it's more episodes, different sports, or anything in between. Go ahead and review the show wherever you listen to the show. Uh, it greatly helps support it and gives us uh, support and content ideas as well that are greatly you know useful, anything you want to hear. And um, that basically wraps it up. We'll see you next week for week 12's review. Uh, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, as I mentioned previously, happy Thanksgiving to you. If not, happy holiday for all of you U.S. people, and a happy day of the week for all of our non-U.S. friends that don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, that basically does wrap it up. Thank you very much, everyone. And until next time, take care.